0: Hi, I'm Mike Rees. I've been writing for The Simpsons for 30 years. In my free time, I've visited 130 countries. Not by choice. Find out where I've gone, what I've done, and most of all, what am I doing here? Today we take a trip to two very different mountain ranges. The Himalayas and the Catskills. We begin with a trip to Nepal entitled... Over the hills and fart away. My plane was landing in Lukla, better known to pilots across the globe as the world's most dangerous airport. It deserved the title. I'd been to fashion shows with longer runways. We've safely landed in Nepal. announced the captain, unable to hide his relief. Please set your watches back 45 minutes. (laughs) 45 minutes? This was going to be a weird place. The weirdness began instantly when I visited a large Buddhist temple and met their High Lama. A wizened man in red robes and long white beard, he certainly looked the part, and then he opened his mouth. I bet you want to take my picture, he said in a Tennessee twang. Just make sure you don't steal my soul. Hey. He dressed like the Dalai Lama, but he talked like Dolly Parton. Clearly, decades before, he'd been a hippie hiking through Nepal, found God, and never left. Nepal has been a haven for hippies, aging hippies, and recovering hippies since the 1960s. And why not? The entire country is like one big commune. It's as if, after all the bands left Woodstock, the half-million spectators stayed behind and declared it the sovereign kingdom of Groovy. Also, like Woodstock, there's ankle-deep mud everywhere you go. The Nepalese people, young and old, even dress like hippies in colorful mismatched outfits. Paisley scarves, plaid shirts, day knit caps, and Scooby-Doo pajama pants. Everyone looks like they got dressed in a thrift shop during a blackout. In keeping with the hippie theme, freak flags are flying everywhere. Strings of multicolored pennants hang all over Nepal, zigzagging through forests, across chasm, up one side of the Himalayas and down the other. While it's very beautiful, I wish they'd string up fewer prayer flags and more power lines. Electric power here is spotty. However, every hotel has a sign announcing free Wi-Fi. None of them have Wi-Fi, but they've all got the sign. I booked a room with a king-size bed, but they gave me two cots instead. Same, same, but different, the clerk told me. This is the Nepali answer to everything. Cats and dogs? Same, same, but different. Freight trains and french fries? Same, same, but different. Nepal is a tiny country packed with towering mountains. If it were flattened out, it would be the size of Africa, according to a fact I just made up. With these mountains come constant landslides. As a result, bulldozer drivers are like rock stars here. When they come to town, farmers offer up their daughters for plowing. Ooh, wink. It was one of these mountains that had drawn me there. Everest. It's not sexy like the Matterhorn or lyrical like Mount Fuji. It's just tall and useless, like Yao Ming in the off-season. Beyond that, Everest is not much to look at. A plain white triangle with all the grandeur and majesty of the corner of an envelope. And although it's the biggest thing on Earth, it's nearly impossible to find. You literally can't see Everest from Everest Base Camp. It's tucked deep in the Himalayas, so you have to climb another big, better-looking mountain, just to catch a glimpse of it. I was told it would be a four-hour trek. Trek, I believe, is derived from the Yiddish word drek, meaning a hike too awful to call it a hike. I had an American friend named Wilson who helped set up the outing. He'd been in Nepal for 15 years and gone Nepali nutso. He'd become a frantic mix of Dennis Hopper and Daffy Duck. And he claimed to speak the local language. My friend to here HE'S A WANNA SEE MOUNT EVEREST! This was not Nepali. It was just Jar Jar Binks English. He's a need a big walking stick, much, much. He made me spend 50 bucks on a stick to navigate a forest full of free sticks. Wilson also hired a Sherpa to guide me, and as the man approached, I had an epiphany. The sights of Nepal are stunning, but the sounds and smells of the place are largely farts. There are 30 million Nepalis, and at any given moment, a third of them are in mid-fart. I blame it on a toxic combination of high-altitude living and high-fiber diet. It gives a new interpretation to those paintings of Buddha, who was born in Nepal, fat and smiling, floating atop a cushion of green smoke. I'm no fan of cheap flatulence jokes, and would let the subject pass. <laughs> hey, hey! Hey! except that it was a key part of the journey. As I followed my Sherpa up the steep mountain trail, he farted in my face with every step. Then, mercifully, he zoomed far off ahead of me, like a methane-fueled missile. His job as a Sherpa was to guide me, and 30 minutes into our four-hour climb, he ceased Sherping. I was lost in a forest on a mountain in the weirdest country on earth. Invoking the name of my favorite Thai island, I said, Fuck it. I tossed aside my walking stick, greatly improving my mobility, and tried to find my way out. And that's when I had epiphany number two. (laughs) Number two. Hey, follow the cow dung. Cows come into the forest to graze, but they always return to their barns, pooping all the way. And any path a half ton of hamburger could manage worked for me. Yes, I followed the farts into the forest and the manure out of it. (laughs) This was my vacation. I came to an old logging road and followed its gentle slope up the mountain. The trip was peaceful, bucolic, and scenic. And I saw something I hadn't seen all morning. Nepalese. They know better than to hike up a trail when they had a perfectly good road. I was greeted at every farmhouse with a cheerful, Namaste. I was at peace. The trek had become a hike. I reached the mountaintop a few hours later. Shortly thereafter, my guide arrived. How did you get here? I asked. I followed you. He said. The Sherpa had become the Sherpy. Later, I found out he wasn't even a real Sherpa. Wilson, in his fractured English, had mistakenly hired a guy named Sherpa. It's a very common surname in Nepal. It's as if I needed a plumber, and he brought in Christopher Plummer. Same, same, but different. Mr. Sherpa and I looked at each other, wondering what the hell we were doing up there. And then, just for a moment, the clouds parted, and we caught a glimpse of Mount Everest. It was a crooked baby tooth of a mountain, a pimple on the nose of the Himalayas. It looked like a yogurt-covered raisin, but I'd seen it, and suddenly I realized why I'd made this trip. The same reason men have always climbed mountains. Because we're idiots. My wife was planning a trip to Afghanistan when, thank God, the pandemic hit. Suddenly we were stranded, unable to leave the tiny island home we call Manhattan. Since we had no car and were leery of using public transit, we were limited by how far we could walk in a day. Like medieval villagers, we never went more than five miles from home. For me, it was a dream version of New York. No crowds, no noise, no Broadway musicals. After four months of this, my wife wanted out, but no one would take us. Americans were considered too disease-ridden to be allowed into any country. I wasn't afraid of Afghanistan. Suddenly, they were afraid of me. To call us lepers is an insult to leprosy. It's nowhere near as contagious as COVID-19. In desperation, my wife and I did what New Yorkers have done for centuries. We went to the Catskills. I'd only been there once, half a century ago. As a kid growing up in Connecticut, I saw commercials for the Catskill Game Farm every three or four minutes. The ads featured Roland Lindemann, owner of America's only private zoo, who talked like one of the cuter Nazis on Hogan's Heroes. I nagged my father to take me to the Catskill Game Farm. It was a hundred miles from our home, but Dad acted like I'd asked him to pull me by rickshaw to the moon. It was worth all the begging. The Catskill Game Farm was a magical place, even better than the commercials. And a llama spit at my father. The Catskills are 6,000 square miles of mountains, rivers, lakes, and mosquitoes just two hours outside of Manhattan. Americans were introduced to the area by Washington Irving's 1819 short story, Rip Van Winkle. It's the tale of a truly American hero, a lazy guy who gets drunk, goes bowling, and then sleeps really, really late. Two centuries after the story's publication, you can go to the Catskills and rent an ATV from Rip Van Winkle Sports, gas it up at Rip Van Winkle Service Station, ride it to Rip Van Winkle Vineyard, and then drunk drive straight into Rip Van Winkle Lake. It's a pretty impressive legacy for a hero whose only superpower was napping. The only other thing the area is famous for is the Catskill Resorts. Grossinger's, Brown's, Kutcher's, the Concord. These all catered to people who loved being outdoors as long as it didn't involve doing anything. (laughs) We're called Jews. The most dangerous sport they indulged in all summer was tanning. These resorts also launch the careers of a generation of comedians, including Woody Allen, Alan Sherman, Jackie Mason, Jackie Vernon, Jackie Allen, Vernon Sherman, Sherman Vernon, and Jackie, Jack, Jackie. All of these resorts are defunct, either torn down or in serious decay. The closest thing standing is Scott's Okage Lake House Resort, which doubled for a Catskills resort in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But even that place was shut down for COVID-19. Everything was closed for COVID-19. There was absolutely nothing to do in the Catskills and my wife had just booked us a week there. Hotels are different during pandemic. There's no breakfast, no food of any kind, and no maid service. Your room just gets messier and messier as the days go by. It's like staying in the guest room of a friend who doesn't really like you. We were in a lovely place called the Hotel Vienna, run by a sweet man named Prick. I'm sure this wasn't his name, but I asked him three times and it kept sounding like Prick. It was part of a bigger problem. Prick spoke clearly, but seemed to mumble the key word in every sentence. Anything you need, anything at all, just dial 93 3 Schronk. For the best pizza you've ever had in your life, go to Schmaltz on Glip Road. If you touch that smorsch on your room, it might kill you. The top tourist attraction in the area is Olana, the home of painter Frederick Edwin Church. Church painted billboard-sized canvases, 3,000 trees and a peasant, six acres of forest with two sheep on it. These paintings pad out the collections of American art and museums everywhere. His home, Olana, is a gorgeous estate and as fake as Disneyland. The surrounding woodland was designed and planted by Church to look like real nature. Looming over it all is Frederick Church's Munster's looking house, from which you can view the home of a much better painter, Thomas Cole. And even he's not that great. <laughs> Another faux piece of Americana is Woodstock. It's a hippy-dippy town still coasting off a rock concert that took place 50 years before and 40 miles away. Calling Woodstock home to the Woodstock Festival is like calling Trenton, New Jersey the Big Apple. For more historic mislabeling, visit Pratt Rock, America's Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Silly me, I thought Mount Rushmore was America's Mount Rushmore. Pratt Rock is named for Zadok Pratt. He was a successful tanner, banker, and congressman who named everything he saw after himself. Pratt Rock is in Prattsville, downriver from Pratt Falls, whose slippery rocks actually cause many Pratt Falls. In a further grab for immortality, Pratt ordered massive sculptures chiseled into the mountain. His head, an arm with a hammer, the hemlock plant used in tanning, and a horse for no goddamn reason. It's like a scratch pad etched into stone. At the foot of the mountain, Zadok Pratt erected a memorial to his three dogs, but none to his five wives. If you're interested in Martin Van Buren, and nobody is, including possibly Mrs. Van Buren, you can visit his birth site, the home he retired to, and his grave in under a half hour. They're all contained within a two-mile radius. He did not get around much. But as eighth president of the United States, Martin Van Buren is best remembered for his many colorful nicknames. Old Kinderhook, Sly Fox, The Little Magician, Mr. Forgettable, and really, you were president? resident we had a week of wonder and weirdness but there was still one last place i had to visit the catskill game farm as a child i whined till my dad drove me there now that i was a man i could whine till my wife took me we arrived at the zoo to find it had been closed since 2006. there was a creepy rumor that all the animals had been sold to exotic meat butchers but i had hope The buildings and enclosures were still around, slowly crumbling away. Maybe we can sneak in, said my wife, standing right next to a sign reading, You cannot sneak in. That's not a joke. It was the most explicit sign I've ever read. Here was another one. These premises are monitored by security cameras 24 hours a day. If you sneak in, police will catch you and put you in jail. My wife seemed to see some wiggle room in these words. As the gardener left the grounds, the electric gate remained open just long enough for my wife to squeeze our rented jeep through. She was like Clark Griswold, the lead character in Chevy Chase's last good thing, Vacation. She'd brought us to the Catskills for an adventure, and damn it, we were gonna have an adventure. She'd found a little slice of Afghanistan in southeastern New York. We roared past signs reading, No vehicles ever, and you are breaking the law. Our jeep bounced over dirt roads and gravel paths, too rugged for the movie Sorcerer. And you know what? I loved it. The fences had fallen, the cages were overgrown with weeds, the roofs of enclosures had caved in, but I could still see the Catskill game farm of my youth. It hadn't aged gracefully, but then neither had I. If you ever visit the Catskills, check out the old game farm. Try to do it legally. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, featuring Denise Reese as herself. Additional voices by Trevor Morris, Mike's Funny Doorman.